play the fight song. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Play the Fight Song podcast, a college football podcast that is happy we are in bowl season. There are people out there that don't think they matter, and it's swirling around social media that bowl games are non-existent and they don't need to exist. So we don't like those people. If you like college football, if you're a true deep fan of it, you are in the right spot. The boys are all here. We have another action-packed episode where we're going to take you to the transfer portal. We're going to take you to National Signing Day, which already happened by the time you're listening to this. So there's probably big commitments, big flips, which we've already seen that. And it's only Tuesday, Tuesday mid-afternoon in the great Midwest of America. The boys are here. Let's talk to Reese USA. Reese has uh, the seventh grade A team running back one. He shared a great photo with Jake playing fullback for him. Reese, talk about that year and, and that team. What did you guys build down there? Uh, we built uh, brotherhood and camaraderie. Shave, I honestly don't remember our record that year. All I remember is uh, we rolled Icam Manning first game of the year at home at the field house. I think I had I think I had a touchdown or two that game. I think we rolled them. I had no idea what the hell our record was at the end of the year, though, but that, that was that was a fun year. Shea, Shea was my fullback, man. That's that's something that that's a trivia for the rest of my life. Like when I'm eight years old, like, hey, Reese, who was your fullback seventh grade football? I'd be like, ah, oh, Jake Schaefer. Jake Schaefer, the the 170 pound soaking wet six four man played fullback in seventh grade. Jake, what in, do you in seventh grade, about? in seventh grade, Lit up I was the hole. six four. Well, first of all, if he still listens to the podcast. Appreciate you tuning in, coach. But if our seventh grade coach is listening to this, what are, what are we doing running the I formation? First of all, with me at fullback, it's already a, a terrible idea. And second of all, what what are we doing with a fullback in an offense? That's this is not existent anymore. Great Fullbacks call put are, me back there for running back one, though. What a great call put me back there. <laughs> I was the Reece. last full, fullback to exist. I also played like four other positions that year. So uh multi-purpose to say the least. <laughs> That's the fun fact of this is Reese was actually the same exact build in seventh grade as he stands right now. And so it was an absolute unit back there. JP's giggling. JP knows how to run the option. JP, talk about what do you think about this? Schaefer at at fullback? I don't know why we're complaining about fullbacks existing, Schaefer. I mean, we're from the Midwest. Like, we don't grow people. I'm sorry. You're you're, here. You're the your team is the only one that hasn't aged over the modern day of college football. was it modern day when you were playing seventh grade football? That's what I want to ask you. That GP, was your gripe. Is why were you running an eye with a fullback in two thousand? What was it? Whatever years ago. Yeah, but that's you were said. You said, "Why are we running a fullback?" They were at fullbacks why? in seventh grade football. What do you want them to run the the, the speed option and just yeah, the triple option and then RPOs with a seventh graders? Could have respect uh, That guy couldn't outrun a fucking tortoise. Could could have used recent yeah, wildcat, recent wildcat probably. I think the problem is is how does Reese go from eighteen running back to not playing until the senior year? <laughs> Just didn't like it. <laughs> That's tough. Reese didn't like it. Hit. I think he was a didn't little like soft. it that much. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Didn't like it that much. <laughs> It's a uh, short shelf life as a running back, Reese. I don't blame you. No, no, no hate in the game there. All right, let's go to college football. We got to move not quick through this episode, but we want to be a little bit. We have a little pep in our step tonight. JP's got to get to a Christmas party. It's the holiday time. If we haven't said it yet, it's uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Enjoy it with your family. Flip some bowl games on. Eat some soup. Stay the hell inside because the weather's cold. Well, let's go into college football. The weather with transfers. is frightful. Where are these transfers landing? We have some big names in newer places, starting with former Nebraska recruit who I talked about last week, Kyle McCord. He ends up at Syracuse. Congratulations, Reese. You have a new quarterback with a new head coach in the ACC at Syracuse. Uh, Reese, what do you think about Kyle McCord at Syracuse? Do you like it? How's, how's the vibe up there? I mean, I mean, he's no Garrett Schrader. He might be he – not, he's not as dual threat as that guy, but he's still still going to be a pretty good quarterback. I promise, I mean, I promise he slings the ball around better than Schrader does. Garrett Schrader yeah. was – you think Kyle McCord's going to go do a backflip when he runs out, when he lines up wide, we're doing the Wildcat? I don't think Kyle McCord can do that. That's the X factor that Garrett brought to the program. But Fair enough. Here's the, here's the thing we're hoping, though, is that Kyle doesn't have to run around for his life like Mr. Schrader did. Like you're hoping McCord can just have an offensive line, a run yeah, game true. and they can get rid of true. the football and he doesn't need to take shots like that. But yeah, he's not the same athlete. I would agree, but I definitely think he throws a better football. Yeah. I'll mention and it later too, but I don't know if you've seen their schedule yet, but it's like, it looks favorable. 
it is extremely favorable. And I think that's one of the conversations that will pop up later in this episode is about maybe what Syracuse is trying to execute with that favorable schedule. But moving on to the next guy that found a new home, Daquan Finn finds a home at Baylor. Jake, being the Big 12 expert that you are, how do you feel about Daquan, Daquan Finn and his fit at Baylor? Well, I mean, first of all, the going into the offseason, the emphasis at, at Baylor was you're going to keep Aranda around for another year. And he asked for more help in the NIL portal. And I mean, they went and got a guy at quarterback. They, he was Baylor. Besides today being Tuesday, what the 20th Baylor and Iowa state were the only two to pick 19th. up a guy, the 19th, sorry. The only two programs to not pick up a dude in the portal yet for Iowa state. That's okay. They have a completely different situation, but Baylor was sitting there. Like, how do you not go into two weeks without anybody? Now they have at least a quarterback that can start there. I think he's an upgrade from Shapin. I think he's more accurate and I think he can use his legs better. Um, but I, would I put him top, put top six in the new Big 12 next year at quarterbacks? I'd have to think about it, but I probably wouldn't right now. He might be like seven or eight for me. Well, let's think Let's think through that quickly because you have okay. Rising. I would put Rocco Beck ahead of him. I'd have Rising ahead of him. I'd have Noah Fafita. Fafita? Yeah. Uh, why am I uh, blanking Jay, on the name? Jay, Who's going to play quarterback Daniels. at Arizona State? Daniels for Kansas. Yeah, who's gonna play quarterback at Arizona State? Don't they have uh, uh, Sam Levitt? Sam, yeah, yeah Sam Levitt. I'm not. Yeah, I don't or know. Rashada. Does Rashada yeah. stay there? Right. Like a, I think you have to that see I'm those not two play. Uh, Shadur. Shadur is gonna be a top five. How good? In- how good is uh? Was the Johnson kid at Kansas State? Uh, yep. I'd probably put. Eh, well, he's young. I have to see it more, but I think yeah, he's got a higher ceiling than than Finn. I does. think you're you have a high high floor, low ceiling with DeQuan Finn. Does that make sense? I, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I think you know what you're going to get, and I think right now yeah. that's what they need. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, well, you always got it with these G5 guys going into where they're going. It's it's tougher competition, weak round, so you don't know what they're going to fit like, how they're going to feel, how they're going to throw against better defensive backs, how they're going to run when they get hit in the hole by a, a power five linebacker. So everything changes. We'll see how he fits there. And then JP, the last one, I'll go to you on this. Landon Humphreys lands at UGA. What do you think that means for the Bulldogs? Uh, you ever seen uh lad McConkey play football or I'm thinking back to like, um, Oh, why am I forgetting his name? Kid is at Clemson for a long time. Plays for the Raiders. Now. Renfro. Run for yeah, Hunter run That's the kind of kid he is, but I think he's more Lad McConkey, a little quicker, a little better of a route runner. Although Renfro was a nasty route runner in college, I think that's the land they got. Right, they got a non-tight end, uh, basically replaced Bowers with more than one weapon to check down to, and I think that's exactly what they got out of him. I think it'll be exciting. His numbers weren't disgusting this year, obviously because Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt wasn't very good. They didn't have the quarterbacks or the team, but it, it it's just up for here, from here for that kid. Yeah, another weapon for Georgia as if they don't have enough. Turning the page, speaking of Georgia, let's go into National Signing Day, which, like I already said, has happened by the time you're listening to this. So there's probably been some crazy moves, but one's already happened. And I imagine I didn't write this into the plan, but I imagine this is directed to me to talk about JP. Yeah, I thought there was no that reason was not to me. talk about it. Yeah, no, yeah, I, there's, mean, I thought there's no reason not to talk about it just because, um, just the way that social media is blown up after it, especially us being in that region. If you haven't hinted on to what we're talking about, the number one quarterback in the 2024 class, Dylan Riola, has tr- flipped his commitment from Georgia to Nebraska. He will join Matt Rule and the Huskers next year. Boy, what a flip for Nebraska to get. I mean, you got to spend a little money. I guess that's the plus of having still a good collective, even though we haven't seen a winning season in quite some time. We haven't seen a bowl game in seven years. So you got to understand the fan base being excited about it. We're, I mean, we didn't have a quarterback last year. We couldn't not turn the ball over. We had, we turned the ball over 30 times and 27 of them came from our quarterbacks. So yeah, a big piece will be Dylan Riola. Daniel Kalen gets retained. So we'll still get the best quarterback coming out of Nebraska as well. I don't know what they're going to do when it comes to adding maybe an experience piece, maybe to fill the void next year. Cause like Syracuse, I would say Nebraska has somewhat of a favorable schedule with adding the teams in that the Big Ten added. But man, what a flip. I am. I was ecstatic. I was doing backflips. 
I mean, you kind of felt it coming, but then that PTSD sets in of being a Husker fan the last seven years where eh, it probably won't work out because that's kind of how things have been going for us. So exciting, but until he puts that pen to the paper, he hasn't yet. He will by the time you're listening to this. I won't feel great. I, I need it. I need the pen to hit the paper, signed his life away. Then he's a Cornhusker, but exciting stuff. JP, how do you feel about it? I mean, I saw Iowa got landed a three-star quarterback. What, how did you feel? I mean, what is the I mean, that, Big Ten the, fan thinking? The kid that they grabbed, what was that, today or yesterday? I don't think he's going to be the guy for the next coming years. I think it'll be uh, one of the kids we have on campus now or one that'll be here in the spring. Um, but I think looking at it Big Ten-wise, I think – this is one way to get elite quarterback play back into the big 10, because it, that was something that was lacking within the conference this year, but it's something that we've been used to for X amount of years. Right. Uh, and just from an Iowa perspective, it's like, to me, it's like, that's huge. Uh, could that flip a class? Could that flip some momentum? A hundred percent. But it's even more interesting that it's happening now with an expanded conference and an expanded playoff. And it, like, how much does it really get you, to the next league but what also like what is that now now new standard with what college football looks like right like we've seen kids come to schools and then leave after you we've seen kids come into schools one year and take the world by storm and you know uplift the program it's to me for nebraska it's what do you have around him right the running game was not great the offensive line wasn't great but the defense was really good right special teams were all right like everything around it needs to go the right direction but I think if you land that big of a piece right now, it accelerates everything, if that makes sense. Right. Right. Like and you, it's always you have, it's, you've hit the so fast hard. forward button. You're not skipping any steps. You're just hitting a fast forward button to get to the to the promised land. We'll call the 12 team playoff the promised land for now. Obviously, we've debated that before, but you need to you hit the nail on the head when it comes to what fans need to do. If you get a big recruit, big transfer, you need to step back and realize is he going to be here for more than 365 days? If it doesn't turn out exactly how he wants it to be, or the team doesn't find success, is he going to find a new home? But probably but you would think, but here's my thing with this flip and not just like your normal flip. Right. And obviously I'm biased in very situation, but this is where I took a step back and put that to the side. And I said, well, if the flip was for the reasons he claimed it to be right, the tradition of the whole thing, his ability to flip a program, uh, his family connection to it. Right. If that's the real reason for the flip and it's not money or it's not his family got like if it's something else. Right. If that's a real reason he flipped, there's no reason he's not there for two plus years. That's my whole thing. Right. If that's the real reason, I think Matt Rule is going to do everything. And I think a lot of people like playing for Matt Rule. I, I haven't heard many bad things, even when he was in the NFL and got fired or left Baylor or left Temple. I think guys like to play for him. So if that's the real reason he came for those reasons that he outlined in his uh, Shakespearean poem, then I think it'll be just fine. But I don't, if it's not, then I think we've seen uh, just what we've seen before, like a kid showing up for a year and just be like, "Ah, actually, I'm good. I don't want to go here. Looking at you, Dante Moore. A big piece of that is we haven't brought in an experience piece. So I think, I mean, as of now, he's the guy, right? I mean, it's him and and Daniel Kalen who, are on similar levels, I would say. Obviously, you get the upper hand of Raiola, but I mean, you got to look at kid. Be what is what is quarterback. what does he tell Raiola with Harburg? Is he moving to go battle for this thing? No, Harburg's moving to tight end. It'll be Purdy, Raiola, oh. and Kalen. Do you tell him better battle, and then just be like, "Oh, sorry, Chubba. that's a like, tough switch." Uh, yeah. I heard uh, Chubba, uh, Northwest Missouri spot. State's looking for a quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, Chubba's a tough spot. I mean, it might be. I, I don't know what he would do. He called plays great. Chubba, you ever been year. to? I know you love Lincoln. You want to go to Nebraska, Wesley? You know. Yeah. No. Or Car- Carney. Carney's a big one. We got Carney. an ex-Husker coach at Carney. Yeah, it's a big Nebraska school. But okay, let's uh, flip into the rest of the rankings when it comes to signing day. Right now, as they sit, and this is Tuesday mid afternoon, we are looking at Georgia being in the first spot, Ohio State, Bama. Florida State, and Texas. So your usual suspect, if you will. Jake, when you hear those rankings, what's your first thought that comes to mind? Is it the rich getting richer? Is it, you know, maybe we'll see change in these as the coming years with the transfer portal and NIL, or is it this going to be the same list that we've always seen? No, I think these are familiar names that will always kind of be around. Uh, as lo- as long, I guess, as they don't have coaching changes. I, I mean, maybe – uh a Kirby Smart going somewhere else or Nick Saban retiring. Maybe that changes for a couple of years. But I think these are all programs, at least those five that you listed off, 
are going to have coaches around for the next three plus years. So I think they'll always be in that category specifically on one team. I think Texas has just done a phenomenal job recruiting transfers. You name it. They've flipped a couple of kids. I think they flipped a safety and they've got a God. I think it was another quarterback that they flipped from like Florida and USC. So Sark has done a really good job now. Yeah, Florida's got tough sledding until Penn hits paper tomorrow. They're in for it, trying to keep their five star. Arkansas tall as well. Yeah, Arkansas. So, oh. so if I, if I, is hard. boys, huh? Yeah, it, it, Texas is recruiting better than everybody else in the SEC outside of the the heads in Georgia and mm-hmm. Alabama. So that's that's pretty eye opening. And it's good for Texas. But, okay, let's move on to one specific SEC team that seems to just be getting everything that they need and more or what it appears to be, and that's Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss Rebels. My, oh, my, have they made a splash in this transfer portal, filling voids on defenses that they needed like anybody else in the world. But let's start with Chris Paul Jr., a linebacker from Arkansas. He'll be at Ole Miss next year. Juice Wells from South Carolina. He'll be at Ole Miss next year. And then I'm going to go for it. I tried to practice this. It's hard. Big time Florida DN. Princely Umanuelan. I, 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 I I that's that's as close as I, I could get. I thought Just it say was Princely Umanuelan. I thought it was. I mean, but maybe you could be right, honestly. All right. Princely. All right. It, it, his brother plays <laughs> in Nebraska. DJ, so probably it's like DJ, you just part. say PU. All right. <laughs> PU. PU. Pew ends up <laughs> at Ole Miss. Uh, Tyler Barron, the DN from Tennessee, he'll end up at Ole Miss too. And then another one, uh, just DeCameron Richardson, cornerback from Mississippi State. He'll be at Ole Miss as well. So they got a bunch of defensive pieces that Lane Kiffin's Rebels needed tremendously. JP, what are you thinking on Ole Miss? Is this one of those teams that's throwing all the chips in a pile? Yeah, this is – it was interesting to see Lane Kiffin have the ability to do this. We've seen him do it the last couple of years, but not to this magnitude, right? It's been bits or pieces here. You remember he went and got Spencer Sanders. He's went and got uh, different wide receiver pieces to help this team out. It's never been to the extent of this star power. And when I say star power, I mean four, five, four star recruits within the transfer portal on 24 seven, five, three stars. There's a five star transfer at Walter Nolan. That's crystal bald to go to Ole Miss. it's more star power, like quite literally star power than he's had in the past. And numbers wise, it's pretty similar, but not to this magnitude. I think the big thing with this is like, I think they tuck their ears back a little bit and go, I it's now or never like this defense needs to get better. Now here's our opportunity to punch a ticket to the playoff. Our schedule is a little bit weaker. I say that like this, right? Weaker. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's an opportunity for Lane Kiffin. I think the door is open and I think he likes the offense he has. Obviously adding Juice Wells doesn't hurt anybody, um, but I think he likes the pieces in place. He just needed a little bit more because that defense was good against bad teams and exposed against teams that knew what they were doing offensively. It's very early. I feel like that's one thing we have to mention. It's early. You're going to see more names. You're going to see more additions, but this is a very similar blueprint to what you'd think like an LSU would be doing where they had the offensive firepower to be competitive or win the conference, make the college football playoff. Their defense was so bad that they couldn't. Ole Miss is replacing those parts right now. I feel like LSU needs to follow this blueprint. Jake, what do you think about Ole Miss and the names they picked up? Yeah, at least defensively. it's. I said it was because what? the transfer portal has only been around for two or three years. I think if they get Walter Nolan, as of right now, this is the best transfer portal class I think I've seen at least – on the defensive side of things. Yep. Would you agree, I, JP? Yeah, I, I'm seeing an average player rating over 90, and that's without Walter Nolan on that's, it, right? I don't think yeah. – I think Colorado's class was number one last year, if I'm correct. I think that was numbers-based, man. But I yeah, don't think they yeah, were no. touching 90. No, it, it wasn't. Again, when you guys look at this, look at the player rating. That really tells all because it doesn't just mean if they bring in 20 guys that it's all going to work out. One thing for Ole Miss that I really liked out of those guys is they brought in guys that have proven it already. You know, sometimes I think, you know, for Colorado, for instance, they brought like a kid from, I think he was Florida State last year on the D-line and he didn't really play. Well, he, he didn't play at, at Florida State. These are guys like Chris Paul Jr., like Tyler Barron, to Cameron Richardson. Like these are guys who played a ton, started for their teams, and they're all SEC guys. Like these are all SEC-ready guys, and Walter mm-hmm. Nolan will be another one. So, so those are all five impact starters right away, and I think – Kiffin can really change the narrative on his defense going into 2024. I think, I think it hints at what they want to do, right? They yeah. want to get after the quarterback. 
and they want to wreak havoc in the backfield. Like you, like Walter Nolan is good against the pass and rush. We know that, but uh, you look at Tyler Barron. You look at um, Uli Malelin. I That's so hard for me to say. Uh, and like these are guys who get after you. the passer. These are guys who wreck havoc. Chris Paul Jr. More of a guy that's going to uh, get out in coverage if you need him to. Not as much of a blitzer, but they're getting after the quarterback is what they want to do. So it's interesting to see them go into the portal this way and then sure up the back end at the same time. Like you're going to grab more DBs. You're going to hopefully uh, progress guys because you've recruited well, right, for Ole Miss in the last couple of years. So they're hoping that that, um, that grows uh, each year and year with all the recruits that they have on campus already. Love it. Okay, let's uh, talk about coaching. When it comes to this, you obviously have a coach in this move that Lane Kiffin He's not really an adapt or die guy. Like he is adapted. He's going to be ever changing. He's going to go get the names. He doesn't care about the old style of college football. He's going to take advantage of what he's got. Reese, I go down to you on this. What do you think of Kiffin? Do you think like guys like Dabo, who we've talked about, who are not adapting, that are so, kind of dying when it comes to classes and recruiting? Do you think there are going to be other coaches? And do you have an idea of who those coaches might be when it comes to adapting with this new portal? Well, I just, one thing I give lane props for is like when he talked about that georgia game where they went in there and they got rolled he's like we have to do better recruiting wise we have to do better in the portal and like look at what he went and did um i mean it's still a different like you can get these guys it's just like jimbo did you can get all the guys unless you can get them to actually buy in and have them make a difference then it's all for not but i think what the, the kind of guy he is and the kind of process he's been along you've seen the trajectory he's been on as a coach you'd think these guys are going to be able to do something next year, especially with the 12-team playoff. This is a team who should be around in that conversation, I think, year in year, especially if they can continue to uh, do these types of things. But going forward, coaches that are going to kind of have to adapt to this, I mean, you mentioned Dabo. Like, Dabo's a big guy who I think is going to have to turn into it. He's losing some of his bigger names, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that if he wants to get his name and that university back to what they were before, um, and now with the 12-team playoff, you don't get to as good as you were before, but just get yourself back in the conversation. Um, he's a guy who's going to obviously have to adapt in there as well. Um, and then when you go out to the West Coast, um, too, uh, when you're talking about USC, I think they're going to do a little better, too, because they're they're losing a lot of their guys as well, too. So, yes, Jacob. While we're while we're recording this. Uh, is it, a, is it a news drop? News drop? Evan Stewart has officially entered the portal. He is the number Holy two ranked buckets. player in the transfer portal <laughs> class now. He is the second five hey, uh, along with Walter. Oh, I was going to say, you remember that uh, defensive line class we talked about two years ago with Texas A&M and how good they were and how good that class was just on that front? How about uh, two or three of them hitting the portal this year? Coaching change, so it's different, right? This isn't a program problem or a culture problem. This is a coaching change. Obviously, the kid just wants to go somewhere else. Uh, where does he go? Hey, hey, Walter, you like you like uh, what Lane's telling you over there? Yeah, would yeah, that be something? The sip, jump on the boat, boy. Yeah, that, that that's be. insane. What a time we to be alive as a college football fan. It's almost as fun following the transfer portal and the recruiting and national signing day as it is watching Old Dominion and Western Kentucky go into overtime. I just, game. I just think it's I think it's interesting when we talk about the transfer portal and parks. You mentioned like who's adapting, who's dying or whatever. I think it's interesting to watch how each coach handles the portal because there are so many different aspects to do it. You got a guy like Steve Sarkeesian who added only two guys being four stars, one shoring up a little bit in the secondary, adding a piece to add depth to that receiver room. You have a guy like Dion who steps in and just completely rehauls his, uh, his entire roster with the portal. You have guys like Dabo who just refuse to do anything with it. And then you guys, you have guys like, uh, Kiffin, who still a consistent top fifteen every uh, top fifteen team every year, but he's not afraid to open up his paycheck and rehaul a side of the ball if he thinks that there's a huge problem. So I think that's a huge, interesting dynamic to kind of watch throughout college football. It is. We love the transfer portal because it is fun to follow, and especially kind of in this slow before bowl game start time frame. It keeps college football at the top of the top. So, all right, that wraps everything portal-wise, except for the lingering question that we saw from Bud Elliott on Twitter, which we've kind of touched on a basis of it a, a little bit at the start of this. But Bud Elliott tweeted, and it's quoted right here. Some teams... Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State, for example, are going for it every year because their high school recruiting is so good. But now a good, not recruiting, not good, I'm sorry, a good, not great recruiting team can see a favorable schedule, open the wallet, and make a run. 
So it's almost like when you have those bits and pieces, sort of like the Vikings had this year where they had a good team, quarterback gets hurt, they open the checkbook, immediately go get a quarterback instead of using a backup or trying to develop somebody else. Are college football teams going to do this? Are they going to open their wallet, go buy a great quarterback, make a run at it next year because they have a favorable schedule? What do you guys think on this? Uh, is it something you like? Is it good for the game, JP? Um, Is it good for the game? That's a million-dollar question. Uh, I don't think it's bad for the game, right? I just think that's an, a thing that people are going to look to do now that there's not many rules on the portal. There's The, uh, the playoff has expanded, right? There's expanded leagues where your strength of schedule has now ramped up a little bit, so three losses gets you into a 12-team playoff, right? Um, the one thing I wrote down, it's how do you attack certain positions? Like in this situation, Ole Miss feels they have quarterbacks. They're fine, right? They feel like they have uh, running backs with Judkins. They have weapons outside of Wells. Obviously, that's just adding on to already a really good room. How do you attack this position? They're spending it on defense. That's what they feel they need. What happens when you feel like you're like a, let's say, I'm trying to think of a good example, Penn State, right? Great defense, quarterbacks young. Running back room solid. You go spend money on the offensive line. You go get more weapons on the outside. What if you don't think you have the quarterback? How much money can you spend then? Right. If asking price is one to two million dollars for a top end quarterback, how expensive do you go in that situation while having to fill, let's say, six other positions that you feel could use a bump? How much money is that? How much money are your boosters willing and your collective willing to shell out without burning yourself for the years to come? Right. Because what if it doesn't work? How how mad and like how much of that blame is on the coach? How much of the boosters going going to get after him or the collective get after this guy for not hitting that 12 team playoff when you were like, I give you all the money. You didn't go get the right guys or maybe you did and you didn't come through for me. Like, how do people react to that? Right. And that's fair. I think that's all fair. But to play devil's advocate, just thinking, sitting here when it comes to the transfer portal, do we not already, we talked about back when, before it existed, you always talked about it's hard to recruit to G5 schools that are still trying to compete, get a bowl spot, get a playoff spot now, where they were already second team because they're recruiting. I mean, they're not getting the big recruits due to Ohio State, teams like that. Now the transfer portal took that back. Does NIL now screw the transfer portal too? Because now those guys, you have a price tag on them, and now you're not letting the G5s recruit again. So I feel like it's a happy medium when it comes to this question. Yeah, I feel like it's something that they have to do. I mean, if teams see an opening or if they have the pieces now, you only get them for two or three years if they're really good. So you got to replace and and see what you can do with that schedule the next year. But it's so yeah. year to year now. It's almost because it's coming. It's step and step closer to the NFL. That's what happens? Put it. What happens when you have a tough schedule and you don't love your draw for the next year? Yeah. Are we you like, like uh, do wait, you fill wait, the bank account? Yeah, do we save money and just yes. pull that up? Or are we like, I'm still sick of losing? Like, what is the new understanding of losing or underachieving become? Right. Because if right now, buddy, you go five and seven, six and six, seven and five, people are calling for heads. What if you go six and six in a year where you went, let's say, 10 and two, made the playoff, won one playoff game, got kicked out. Now you're in this year, but then the next year, you're like, oh, that's a winnable schedule. You go six and six in that gap year. Are you holding the coach accountable for six and six? Maybe it's a schedule that six and six is not acceptable. Maybe it's a schedule where it's like we expected six and six, seven and five, make a bowl game, right? How do you how do you attack that? Does it influence title chasing out of kids? Has like to. I, I think Has there's, I, yeah, it, there's there's not, I mean, title chasing is a bad way to say it, but it's just a kid who wants a chance at something else. He feel like he accomplished everything else at another school. Um, and he just wants a shot at it. He just wants to play in the college football playoff, right? But with 12, I think this is obviously back towards the argument that Reese and Parks have made before. Doesn't it open the door for Utah, um, Kansas Michigan State, State, or Michigan State, or Penn State? Those schools to take a shot at one of these kids, pay the kid, and then be that extra bump to get to the playoff. Deep pockets matter. Jake, where do you sit on the matter? What do you think about this question? Do you think, like, well, I mean, what what do you think? We talked about how, I mean, different coaches approach different ways of thinking of the transfer portal. I think it depends, number one, on the program and number two, on who's coaching the program. Uh, for instance, had we been in the 12-team playoff era this year, I look at a team like Oklahoma State. I don't know if you guys remember 
Oklahoma State had one of the biggest cakewalk schedules of all time. Um, and they almost really just had a poor season because they lost a lot of guys to the portal. And they don't have an NIL collective to go after anybody. And I don't think Gundy is really adapting towards that kind of lifestyle. I don't think he really tries to go after players in the NIL era. So it just kind of depends. And I think this is a good opportunity. I split it up like this. There's the top 10%, your Texas's, your Georgia, Ohio State. Those are your guys who are going to compete for a national championship every year. You have another, I would say, 70% of the rest of the country that never considers that. And then there's like this 20% gap and Ole Miss is in there. I think on certain years, maybe Nebraska could be in there. I look at like a Washington that's in there. They look at a favorable schedule. They see that what's ahead of them. They have the money to do it. They probably have a younger coach and yeah, they're, they're going to go after it and try to do it. I think that's what this is all built for. That's what the 12 team playoff is built for. It's built for like that 20% that's on the fringe of, of making it to a playoff that could maybe springboard them for the next five years after that. That's a perfect point. I'm glad you brought it up because it opens up another conversation. You said Oklahoma state are these, I don't want to say sister schools, but these cross town rivals, are they disadvantaging themselves? Both of them, their collectives, because you have Nebraska bigger show only show in town. You have Iowa, Iowa state is Iowa state's collective going to take a hit because more, most of the fans in Iowa are made up of Iowa fans. Same thing with Oklahoma. They're not the biggest show in town. Oklahoma is the biggest show in town. Oklahoma state would take second tier. No. So how is that going to affect recruiting? Gundy's got to adapt. That's a great point. It's somebody I didn't even think about, but JP, where, where are you land or Reese? I mean, guys from Iowa, all three of you. Um, what, what do you think? Do you think these state schools will be at a disadvantage if they have a smaller fandom? Hmm. I don't, I don't think in Iowa, I don't feel like the fandom is really split. I think Iowa, like, I think it's pretty damn close. I think Iowa's like a little bit different than most state school splits. Like a yeah. versus Texas. Texas is by yeah. far bigger. There's uh, more, of. there's not and Iowa's not a state of money. Right. So like mm-hmm. you go to Texas, there's oil money flying through alums at every school that went down there. Look at SMU's got money. They're going to be fine in the ACC, by the way. I don't know if you've seen the pony excess, the documentary, the 30 for 30, on those guys, but they had money in the eighties. They're going to have money in 2023. Um, And then you look like, let's say, let's go to state with a little bit more like Oklahoma is probably a little more um, skewed. I'd say, uh, yeah, probably in the fact that like, you know of more people and more alumni that went to Oklahoma than you do Oklahoma state. That's not to say that Oklahoma state doesn't have money or the money to spend it or the alumni or the fan base or that, that they're not passionate because passionate people give out money. That's a fact. How, dedicated are you to your school to your craft without is it really catch up to the other guy is it keep up with the other guy or is it just a pride thing right i think that's another thing i i like that i think sometimes it just it differs too it like i don't know how iowa kind of runs it but iowa state runs their collective in a different way like we're we're never having we're never going to have the deep pockets to go after a four-star transfer guy you know what we're going to use our collective for it's to keep our young guys who are getting poached by an Alabama or a Georgia or an SEC school where we just want to keep our young guys and develop them. And hopefully 95% of them stick around kind of like this year where next year we're going to bring back 19 starters. So that's really what we use it for. I think Iowa state and I'm sure Iowa is too. Like they're pretty aware of what they can and cannot recruit. So they don't usually dip into that. I don't think. There's so much strategy you, going you into the You got to keep all those ham and bacon guys or whatever the hell their name is. <laughs> Caleb Bacon. You got to keep those guys around. You got to keep those Miles guys Miles Purchase. They bring money in. Yeah. Yep. I like all that. I mean, there's so many different ways. It's a full game of chess when it comes to your perspective on NIL, how they're going to handle it. So it'll be interesting to see how those play out. All right. Let's talk about the important stuff. There's more bowl games ahead of us. You're going to see a ton of bowl games before we talk to you again. So let's start with an absolute banger. The Ramblin' Wreck, Georgia Tech, Yellow Jackets take on UCF. Gus Malzahn, a close personal friend now. No big deal. But <laughs> Gus Malzahn, the UCF Knights take on Game Georgia Tech in the uh, Gasparilla Bowl. 5.30, 22nd. It's, it's, I believe it's the next bowl game up. No, I'm sorry. There's Marshall and UTSA in between there, but you're, that will already be happening by the time you listen to this. Let's start with Georgia Tech, UCF. I believe JP is taking us through this one. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is one that I had circled. We didn't put it on our uh, bulls that we're looking forward to. Um, but I think this is one to look at and be like, Georgia Tech, man, you're happy to be here. I think that's a situation where Haynes King has been really good for them. That's a team that needed a quarterback that was seasoned uh, and to come into that program and win football games. And he did, right? Did they get a little bit of a gift to be at six and six when you look at the Miami game? Yeah, but who cares? They're here, right? UCF, I think that is a team that probably wanted, yeah, wanted to be seven and five, eight and four. Um, didn't come off that way. End of six and six. Plumley's last game at UCF, probably. I think Haynes King is going to be a guy that you look at um, to really build this program farther. Here's my thing with the whole breakdown of this game. Two teams that can't stop the run and a Georgia Tech team that's been good through the air, uh, hitting big plays, and a UCF team that's been awful on defense. On the If you go uh, against the big play or against the run in general, right? So these are two teams that could – usually when you get two good running teams, you're going to have a slower pace game, kind of go through it. I don't see that here. UCF's going to want to go uh, quick. I could see Georgia Tech just taking advantage of it and hitting big run after big run. It's going to be a ton of fun, and there's not a ton of opt-outs in this situation. The biggest one would be Georgia Tech's kid, uh, Kyle Kennedy, had six sacks, 54 tackles on the year. That's uh, It's a loss because if you got a guy with six sacks, obviously he's making a difference, 54 tackles. But can, can Georgia Tech slow down the rush attack enough to give Haynes King a chance to kind of open up this game, right? Like Georgia Tech's been good on the ground. They've been pretty good on the, in the air, but it's been – downfield yards per completions over 12 and a half yards per completion for uh georgia tech ucf's been rough at it so for me it's five i see five five yep. seems like quite a bit because i could see this game five. being close right i could see three i could see georgia tech winning outright i think a lot of things i had ucf winning it um just because i really like their scheme and how they play football but I think this is a not a great matchup for them. I think this is if you were UCF, you wanted a team that was going to be a little weaker uh, in the run game versus you. I believe I saw this one is at Raymond James in Tampa. Boy, if the weather in Florida keeps repeating itself, it could be a messy one. I mean, look at App State in the Cure Bowl, how messy that football game was. That stuff matters when it comes to this, and I think Georgia Tech gets the advantage there because of how bad UCF is at defending the run, which you pointed out, JP. So I'm going to roll with them. They're my team to make a bowl game. I believe in Brent Key. Give me Georgia Tech to win this one. Jake, who you got? I think I think both schools are pretty happy to be there with their six-win seasons. Uh, I think Georgia Tech was a little more fluky. I mean, look at the Miami game, for instance. Uh, UCF ranks fourth in rushing attack. Like, I don't think we talked about that too much because Georgia Tech ranks 128th mm-hmm. in their rush defense. Yeah. They give up 225 yards a game. I'm going to go the strength good. on weakness here. Ball's going to be wet, Jake. Ball's going to be wet. Don't and doubt if it, it is, hey, that's great. I hope it turns into a slugfest and running the football. Give, give me UCF. I, I'm. It's not great to take a favorite because favorites have not been doing well so far in bowl season, but I'm going to go with the Knights here. Reese, who you got? I'll take the Ramblin' Wreck. I'll, I like congratulations to Parksy with his call from the beginning of the year, Georgia Tech. Yep. I mean, making a bowl game. They got gifted one. They but, did hey, it backwards, bro. They beat, winning, so. they beat a ranked team and lost yeah. to so just some yeah. dog shit opponents. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did not hey, do it hey, the way either, said, hey, either way, we're at six and six, and we're, we're on the right trajectory for our program next year, Mr. Key. Uh, so give me, give me the uh, Yellow Jackets here. Love it. All right, JP, you gave us the preview. Give us your pick. Yeah, I'll take UCF in this situation. Uh, both teams rank in the top 10 in yards per carry. Both teams rank outside the top 120 in yards per carry given up on defense. Uh, but I, I was big on UCF at the beginning of the year. I still think that they were more of a 7-5-8-4 talent team. Uh, a little bit better of a defense. Hopefully they can slow Haynes King down because he's been the entire GL jacket offense. I'll take the Knights. All right, there it is. There's a Gasparilla Bowl. We got a 2-2 two and two split between UCF and Georgia Tech. Let's move on to the next one. Let's go to the Armed Forces Bowl, the American Bowl, as they say, one of the many, and that features Air Force, the wagon of a Air Force team. So not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, no, they, they fell down hard, and then you Black got a James Madison team care. that legitimately had to fight to be here. So James Madison, Air Force, the Armed Forces Bowl. Jake, take us through it. Yeah, this is – I don't want to, like – downgrade air force here i mean they still yeah they haven't been playing well in the last month but this was still a really good football team this is a gem of a of a g5 matchup this could almost be our hypothetical national championship 
if you if Air Force had played better. James Madison had 11 guys enter the portal, including their star quarterback, Jordan McLeod. He's like a top 100 guy in the portal right now. So that hurts. Kurt Signetti obviously left for Indiana. So without your head coach, without your star quarterback, however, James Madison's only given up 100 rush yards on the on the entire year uh, in, in two games. So that favors them versus an Air Force team that I don't think really wants to match up with James Madison right now. Motivation. James Madison's looking for their first bowl win. I think that's a huge one to look at Jacksonville State last week. That shit matters to them. So don't let your don't let the casuals tell you otherwise. Um, that being said, I don't love the quarterback head coach situation with them, but I'm going to take a good rush defense, and I just don't love the way Air Force is playing right now. So James Madison for me. Very good, J- JP. Let's go to you on this one. Who you got in the Armed Forces Bowl? I understand exactly what Schaefer's saying, right? I do. I get it. I do. But you know what they haven't done oh, is face a triple option <laughs> attack like this. That This Air Force team oh, took a tumble with injuries, right? You lose your starting quarterback. You lose guys on the wing. Um, I, I think, yes, this is a very good James Madison team and a very good defense. You know what they're not great at and have been mostly average at? Offense. You know, Air Force has done well, played defense most of the year. Uh, when you look at Air Force, they rank six in yards given up per game, 14th in yards per play, ninth or sorry, 11th in yards uh, per rush given up. They're also pretty good in the secondary. James Madison, without their quarterback, without their head coach, without weapons, I think this is an Air Force game you could take. I think two and a half, um, I believe, is the line that we have here. Two and a half, like, I don't know what the word I was looking for exemplifies that basically. Two and a half for me, I'll take Air Force. I like it. You got to roll with the armed forces. Speaking of armed forces, Reese, who you got in this one? Well, I, I like everything you, uh, Schaefer had said before. Where it's the there was some motivation behind the game. Yeah, you lose your head coach, and how the hell do you pronounce JMU's interim head coach, bro? So last last name Roblowski? however that whatever however you say that guy. Uh, I think he's gonna get the boys ready to go, and then you lose your quarterback too. But like you mentioned it's their it's their first time in their bowl game, like you can be a part of history for this program folks. And that's what these guys that are at the school want to be a part of. So I think JMU um, will win this game. And also think I'm ever going to pick an armed force or armed services Academy. That isn't army. You're dead wrong. So give me JMU. I love that. Unfortunately, I'm going to put JP on the Island here. I like James Madison. When I look at bowl season, the biggest thing for me is a J is the thing that Jake hammers all the time. And that's the motivation race hit it too. James Madison has loads of it. Doesn't matter who's back there. This is a program who legitimately fought to be in this situation. I mean, a team that's a one, they won 11 games. It's in a legit team. Now, if it came down to the quarterback, yes, that's a big piece of that. But this James Madison team's legit, man. They can compete. They would have won the Sun Belt. Give me James Madison to win this game. I, I think they won it by two touchdowns. Would they have won the Sun Belt? I think they would. Would they have? I think they I don't would have. That Troy team's good, man. <laughs> Troy, hey, I was high on Troy. I'm the one who previewed him. They're they're legit. They're also legit. also this is not this is not the same situation where you can say wants to be here because our service academies are the one school that you can truly look at and be like, there's motivation factors at all times. Like they, these That's guys true. are balls to the wall at all times. Whether they're getting beat by yeah, GMU, like, GMU had to. They they benefited the, uh... from uh, what they have. Not enough bowl teams. It was six wings. It wasn't enough eligible teams. So that's why they got the waiver to play. What I'm not saying they didn't fight for it because they deserve to be here. But 100%. Had, yeah, but yeah, they fought for it all year. Air Force, man, if you would have asked me this five weeks ago, I would have been like, oh, man, you got to take Air Force, right? Like they were that dominant. But the way they've fallen downhill, I just can't see them picking themselves back up and beating that motivational factor, JP. I don't think it's a bad pick. Air Force is still a legit team. Probably the best Air Force team we've seen in quite some time. But it'll be a dandy. Tune into the Air Force's Bowl on the 23rd, 2.30 p.m. Central in God's time zone. But that'll be a good one. Let's go jump to the next one. This one's one that I'm actually legitimately excited for. Our coach of the year, David Brom, and the Northwestern Wildcats playing the Utah Utes, who are kind of lost at quarterback. They don't really have anybody. They Everybody's jumped in the portal. Um, this one's on the 23rd as well in the Las Vegas Bowl in Allegiant Stadium. JP is taking us through this one. Yeah, this one is um, we, I, we've hit the motivation factor 17 times. That nail is you have to. Out, that, that, that's bowl season. But I think a Whittingham team is always going to come prepared. Is the prepared team good enough to win the football game is a different question. The answer for me is no. I'm going to go Northwestern here. 
Uh, this is a Northwestern team that hasn't been pretty throughout the year. They haven't won pretty football games, but they are a team still intact, right? Like you look at Utah, uh, Barnes, the quarterbacks out, brought in one of their top uh, defensive backs is out. They have leading tacklers on the defense out. They are rough in the secondary. Can Northwestern take advantage of it? I'm not sure, but I'd love to see what happens here. Um, where you look or when you look at this game, traditionally Utah wouldn't be in a situation where they're playing Northwestern in a bowl game, right? But I think these two coaches respect each other. I think these two programs are built very similarly. Like we want to play good defense. We want to be able to run the football. We want to make plays, but it's not going to be a pretty bowl game. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not going to be a pretty, but I'll take six and a half in a non-pretty game. If a team that's played in the big 10 West that knows what ugly football looks like and what it takes to win those games. So I'll take Northwestern the six and a half and they win. Um, there's not a ton to break down here because the team's going to look so much different for Utah. 100%. I love that take. And I, I love the idea behind you got to look at what pieces they have and who's played ugly football before because that's exactly what most of this bowl season is going to be with all these new moving parts. Jake, I'm going to go down to you. Who do you got in the Las Vegas Bowl? Yeah. Uh, first side note, I'm pretty sure Bryson Barnes is playing. He's transferring after, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be that's insane. To start is Whittingham going to let him play? That that would be insane. I, I would. I would imagine because I don't think they have an, any other option. I'm I think they do have options. They just don't want to say what those options are. It's not going to be fun options. Be a four, it would be a four string quarterback. That being said, if Barnes Minnesota's is paying a guy to keep playing, did you see I, that? I, that it's sidebar. Yeah, but Minnesota's pay, paying this kid extra NIL money to play in the game because they are out of quarterbacks. That's what it's got to be, man. That's what you got to do. Uh, Northwestern's given up like 50 sacks this year. I think Utah's, like you said, JP, they're better prepared in every game. I think they're physically better than Northwestern. So I'm going to take Utah. Reese, who you got? I mean, if you're going to blind, if you would have just told me about this game at the beginning of the year and say, hey, they're going to play in a bowl game, I'd be like, one, <laughs> Northwestern, that's surprising. But I'd be like, take Utah all day. It's Utah versus Northwestern. Are you shitting me? Um, but I think Gabe and I talked about before, they know how to win ugly. Uh, and also, if you saw this, that too, but Northwestern is 6-1 and one when they rush for over 90 yards. Um, I mean, offensively, they are sticking with that. Ben Bryant's been a good quarterback, and their defense has actually been a lot better than I actually ever give them credit for. And you're going to give them a, a line this big. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. I, th I think North I think Utah can win the game, but I think Northwestern can keep within the summer just because I don't think it's going to turn into a shootout. It's going to be like a – 17 to 13 or a 20 to 17 type game. It's not going to be like 34, 14. I guess I don't think it's ever going to turn to one of those. You get into these bowl matchups, seven and five teams with a lot of grit that's been through things at the beginning of the year that only won one last game, one game last year. Reese, you hit the nail on the head, buddy. That would have been my only point. If you would have told me 365 days ago at the end of the conference championship week that, hey, this Utah team next year, they're going to be playing in the Las Vegas Bowl against Northwestern without Pat Fitzgerald. What a storyline. What a storyline to follow. Give me Northwestern plus a six and a half. Ugly football against a Utah team who's played pretty good football teams this year and fought hard against the number two seed in the college football playoff. It's bowl season. Weird things happen. Give me the underdog. Give me Northwestern plus a six and a half. All right. Let's go to another one. Let's jump to the first responder bowl. What a beauty of a football game we got here. Texas State and Rice, an in-state battle. Five and a half point favorite in, in, in the favor of Texas State. This one's on the 26th of December. So Merry Christmas right afterwards on your new TV that Santa Claus got you. You can flip on Texas State and Rice. Oh, uh, I can't I wait. Jake is taking it through this one. Yeah, the, uh, the sickos of, of college football are going to be really be tested. If you're lucky enough, I'm sure you guys are similar. will be not working the 26th after Christmas. So you'll be spending your time watching bowl games like this. So try and somebody tried to tell me that a bowl game doesn't matter to Texas State and Rice. You have Rice who's looking for their first bowl victory since 2014. You have Texas State, I believe, in their first ever bowl uh, bowl game appearance uh, since being FBS. One, it's been about 10 years, right? Since they've they've become FBS. yes, I'm thinking their first year in NCAA football was 2012 or 13. So yeah, so, that would make sense. Yeah, in a in the finally over a decade, they they have made it to a a bowl game, and this one's fun. I think the quarterback matchup could have been really awesome. Unfortunately, JT Daniels retired for Rice, so you won't see the seventh year guy on their side of the ball. But the backup's been pretty pretty solid for them down the stretch of the year. Transfer to the, the workforce. Congratulations. 
<laughs> and on the other side for for Texas State, you have TJ Finley, uh, former Auburn quarterback. This team went and, and beat Baylor at home. They're going to throw the football a ton, and so does Rice, but Rice also needs to rely on running it a little more. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game, and I couldn't think of a better way to spend my Tuesday at 4.30 watching this. Yeah, I'll jump to mine next because just to jump in and cut it up a little bit, but I got a simple thing for you. I got my old friend Luke McCaffrey playing football at Rice. Yep. I'm just going to give a quick shout-out to Luke McCaffrey. Give me Rice plus the five-and-a-half. What a Texas battle. What a beautiful way to close out Christmas on your new television. JP, who you got in this one? I think there's a talent gap here. I, I'll take Texas State. I think they're a better offensive team. I think they're just a more talented team played in a tougher league. That's not to say Rice hasn't played tough competition in certain spots and battled them right to close games. I think Texas State is just a better team. I'll take the team from San Marcos, kick them off into basketball season where they're not great, but then get them into baseball season where they compete for a regional, super regional every year. I'll say, JP, I like remember that Rice is in the American now. They're not in CUSA. Like they, they yeah, see a I, little, they see some tough teams, but I don't, I don't think they're talented to an American. No, I'm, yet. I'm kidding. I, I, I will give you, give me Texas State as well. I didn't give my pick. All right. Texas State, Texas State. Rice, Reese, where are you going? Leaving me on an island? I know about as much as these two teams as a third grader does about calculus. Uh, go ahead and give me a rice. I'll ride with you, Parks. I like that. Two and two split. Hey, hey and I will the random guesses work. When in doubt, if you have no idea, literally just take the underdog in every. Don't game. even think about yeah. it. Just take, the, take dog. the dog. Give me the points. Give me the every points. Every single time. I, I've picked a few dog in my day this year. All right. That one wraps up the first responder bowl. Two and two split between Texas State and Rice. Let's jump to the last one. Oh, my God. What a beauty. You want to talk about beautiful bowl games. Let's talk about the guaranteed rate. I can guarantee you there's going to be some points on the board in this game. UNLV, yep. Kansas, the 26th of December at 8 p.m. Sit down, have your beverage with you, and just take in this beauty of a football game. I believe Jake or JP. JP, you're taking us through this. No, it's the team. I'm sorry. It's a team. It's, it's a, a team, team group. Hey, whoever can go. Whoever can All go. I'll leave it off. Show. I'm I'm a guy who I believe in Kansas. I believe in Lansley Bowl. I Schaefer, the hater down there, I've had to prove him wrong many of times. Schaefer didn't think these guys were going to be in a bowl game. This is a team that found out they're getting back Jalen Daniels. Lo and behold. Loves football that is in the middle of basketball season. So this will just be a nice work in to their basketball season where they're rolling. Give me Kansas against UNLV, whose 90% of their production came from that astoundingly misplaced quarterback who will find himself at a much better school next year. But give me Kansas and the guaranteed rate bowl. Jake, who you got? Yeah, I don't see a lot of – I don't know who's opting out for Kansas at this point. I would expect maybe Kobe Bryant on the defensive side of things, but that doesn't be really all matter. What's Bean, the, no, Bean's plan. What's the quarterback Yeah, situation? Bean will play. Bean, Bean, Bean will, will play. play. He can? Yeah. Because he was hurt, yeah. no? He'll play. It's, it's been, been like a, month. a month. He'll be all right. I don't know how bad it was. I'm just, I'm curious. I like Ballard. I think Ballard's all right. If he, if he goes out there too for, for Kansas, Here's but he's a, he's a different kind of quarterback. It was my whole thing. Is it, it? I think it changes how they operate. I don't think it's going to matter because they're still going to give the ball to Neil and Highshaw, And I think they can run all over this team. UNLV ranks 93rd in total defense. They give up a lot of yards. Once you guys get through the absolute puke of a game between Bowling Green and Minnesota, you're going to have high scoring games between Texas State and Rice and Kansas and UNLV. I think Bean or Ballard, whichever one, yes, it changed the style of offense for him, JP, but I think Kansas can do that. If Bean's there, Hell yeah, they can use his legs and throw it through the air. They have a bunch of nice pieces there, and if they have to give Neil and Highshaw every carry, I think they're going to run it on them just fine. UNLV is without Mavia, like you said, Parks, and their running back, I believe, is also entering the NFL draft, so they will not have him as well. Dandy. That's what I'm saying. That's a dandy. JP, who you got in this one? I really want to take UNLV here just because the number is so big, and I think they'll come ready to roll. Um, but can you? really without the weapons like we we're just talking about uh i'll take kansas i don't love it though i i just want to say if you're a fan of kansas and you get a chance to go down to arizona into chase field and watch a football game indoors in arizona over this time 
You're so lucky. Like, I feel like that'd be a blast. Arizona would be a great destination for a bowl. It's game. just a, a, from what I've heard on this bowl game, it's the day after Christmas is just a big problem for a lot of people traveling. That's, that's oh yeah, because you the big... you got to be there way before Christmas, price wise, and then afterwards yeah. it's going to ramp back it's, up. Too. It's tough to it's tough to get out there, and it's on Tuesday. Some people some hey, people we still to have Russell, to work. Louisiana some people have jobs. We still made a good team of it. <laughs> As as somebody who was in the Southwest Airlines line last year during Christmas on Christmas Day, where they canceled like a hundred right. flights, that's yeah, right. No, that was an absolute travesty. One hundred percent, it's tough to get there. But what a beauty of a game you get through. And and Schaefer, I got to make it out before we give Reese's pick on this. I know you undermined Minnesota and Bowling Green, but the last matchup between those two schools, Bowling Green, Bowling won. Green won. I know. I remember. I forgot. That's about revenge. That. Yeah. That's actually revenge for the Big Ten team to. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that one's going to be a beauty, too. That's going to be an ugly beauty, Big Ten West-style game. All right, Reese, give us your pick on the guaranteed rate bowl and wrap up our previews for this week. Well, I like Kansas. I don't know how much I like them to cover this number. I think they're a much better team. But it's also you're looking for Leipold to get his first bowl win as his coach. I mean, if you remember last year, they played Arkansas. I forget. I think it was like the tax layer or whatever it was. Like nope, 50, it was the Liberty Bowl. Liberty Bowl. Was yeah, it was, was fifty five to fifty three was was the final of that game. So I don't know if we're going to get that high of flying numbers as we are here. Um, but I think Jayhawks. I think as long as they don't turn the ball over, uh, UNLV has forced two or more turnovers in six of their eight games. Um, so they they can do that. But if if Kansas can take care of the ball and not give them extra chances, I think they can have no problem covering this number. I just don't know um, if they will to not limit the turnovers as much. But I think KU is the better team. They should win this game and. Get the first one for last bowl, the bowl games, and continue on up this program. All right, there you have it. There is our second week of bowl games. Is that way to way to put it? The second week of second bowl game. Bowl week. Yeah, sure. Second full week of bowl game previews. We didn't hit a lot. There is a ton of games in between. We would ha- keep you here for three hours if we did. Some of the ones we didn't mention that you need to watch. If you call yourself a college football fan, you made it to the near to the end of this episode. And you're a true college football fan. You need to watch USF and Syracuse. You need I to watch said, Troy. Do you want me to run through them? I can run through them here. I got them pulled up. All right. Tell me, Shafe. Thursday. Hey. Yep. You have you have the dandy between South Florida and Syracuse. Friday, obviously, is Georgia Tech UCF. Oh, Your Saturday matchups are Troy and Duke in the Birmingham Bowl, Arkansas State, Northern Illinois, James Madison Air Force, Georgia State and Utah State in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. South Alabama, Eastern Michigan, and the Ventures Bowl, Utah, Northwestern, Coastal Carolina, San Jose State, and the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. That is all Saturday, because obviously Christmas Eve is Sunday. Uh, Bowling Green, Minnesota on Tuesday, Texas State, Rice, Kansas, UNLV. And then we'll get, we'll, uh, I'm assuming we're going to talk about the Wednesday Bowls next week. Right? Yes. Because then it the really. Plan. Wednesday the 27th is really when we get into it. You get your your Texas Bowl, Holiday Bowl, your Alamo Bowl, stuff like that. So Yeah, we might need to two-part that episode because we usually drop on Thursday. So we might need to do a Wednesday drop and then our normal right. drop. I mean, we right. might. We will have to if talk we about this that. Show, we can do whatever hey, we want. R.I.P., I am disappointed that we, Coastal Carolina, San Jose State, Hawaii Bowl, it's not on Christmas Eve this year. I don't care if it's on a Sunday. We move that game to Christmas Eve every year. Every yeah. year. Some of us want to watch college football on Christmas Eve. One of the things that changes when you become an adult is the days of the week don't really matter anymore. Um, so I don't give a shit what day it's on. So give me Sunday. I like that, Jake. Give me, give me, Get it back on Christmas Eve. But that wraps up everything we have. Bowl preview-wise, it was a fun episode. We talked a lot about the transfer portal, kind of the outlook on it in the future. Then we previewed every game that you need to watch. And then we added some in there. Don't undermine Bowling Green in Minnesota. That's going to be a fun one. So if you joined us this far, we love you. You earned it to this beautiful song that I'm about to play. Uh, I'm actually going to let Jake decide it after Merry we Christmas. end this out. But yeah, yeah Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'd say Merry appreciate uh, appreciate you love hanging you. us through uh, this chaotic episode of we're trying to get through things quicker than we have random thoughts pop up and it just kind of gets jingle jangled around. No pun intended, but appreciate it. Love you all. We'll see you next time. Jake, take us away. Tell me say one thing, don't see if you understand. One thing, don't see if you understand. What make them a talk about me? Ambition. So what make them a talk about me? Ambition. Come and say some of them ask me where me get it from. Tell some of them ask me where me get it from. I told them no, no, it's from creation. I told them no, no, it's from creation. Bam, bam, bam.